Warning! The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy! So we're going to go ahead and uh, discuss today some of the myths and misconceptions that we have about diet, exercise, and weight maintenance. And we're going to take a look here, trying to address one big question that everybody seems to have is, what do you mean you can't burn calories? Along with our conversation, we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of the other fallacies and some of the other myths and misconceptions that we might have about diet, exercise, and weight maintenance. There's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. And so Which I've learned. Yes. And so let's talk first off here so that we get some terms because as I like to toss out the, the meme out there, you keep using that word, but I don't think you know what it means. And so we use the word calorie a lot. And so what is a calorie? And that's kind of uh, the first key step that we have to have here. And so calorie is a unit of heat. It's unit of energy. Right. It's a unit, unit of energy that is based off of the specific heat of water that is about 4.1868 kilojoules of energy for every dietary calorie that we consume. And now the question is, what do you mean by kilojoule? Yeah, that is a good question. It's just about to ask that. And so kilojoule is simply... Uh, the unit of energy that we use in science that is a measure of work that's being done. So and, the chemistry definition, isn't it heating up one joule of water? How much energy it takes to heat up one joule of water? It's not one joule of water. It's one gram of water. And so, oh. yeah. And so now, so now we have two different, cal two, two different calories that we're going to, that we're, that we're looking at. Right. And so we have calorie in the sense of chemistry class. And once again, yes. I know that's what will make some people cringe whenever we hear the word chemistry class. Yeah. There are calories in chemistry class, and that's the amount of heat that's required to raise one gram of water, one Celsius. Okay. And so when we look at water, one of the things that we, that we have to remember is that water has a density of one which means that for every volume unit, mm -hmm. there is a single mass unit to it. Okay. And so a lot of times we talk about water, we don't talk about in terms of grams. We should talk about in terms of liters, milliliters, ounces. Yeah. And so when we're talking about that, we're talking about the, the fluid volume. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing with water is that water's density is one. And so that means that for every one volume unit, we can use a mass unit. Okay. And so, so when we talk about the, the chemistry side of stuff, we're talking about in terms of grams. However, because we don't like using big numbers unless we're dealing with money, we, we like to, to change the units a little bit in science. And so what we'll do is we'll change that calorie from the chemistry class to calorie for the dietary unit. Okay. And so the dietary unit calorie is the same as 1,000 of the chemistry unit calorie. And so that is what's referred to as a KCAL. Oh, oh, that, okay, yeah. I, I kind of vaguely remember this. 
from watching. I, I, the only information I've ever gotten for calories is from that. Um, what was that guy who did the, he did the McDonald's diet for a month Yep. and they used the, the calorie definition for chemistry, mm-hmm. but they said one joule of water, not one gram of water. Yeah. And so, so yeah. And, and so, so, so the, one of the problems with that, with that mockumentary, and I'm gonna call it a mockumentary because even though everybody thinks of it as a, as a documentary, it's not really, it was not set up in such a way as to actually truly document what was happening. Particularly if we look at it in terms of diet and exercise and the scientific basis for doing diet and exercise. Hmm. Okay. And whenever we do science as it relates to diet and exercise, we want to do is we want to, and this goes into the scientific method. We want to, we want to make sure that we're only able to analyze the variables that we can control. Right. The, the, the dependent, independent variables, the testable and measurable responses. The problem with that cluster of information is that part of it, Part of the problem is that it's based off of, of antidotes. It happened to me, so it must happen to everybody. Yeah. That's but a the big... other problem is, is that he changed way too much of his lifestyle in order to attribute all of the issues that he had at the end of one month to just changing diet. That that I never thought of it like that either until just yeah. now that he could totally have been having a reaction that someone else wouldn't have depending yeah. on yeah i and didn't so, even so, think about that and, and so this is where myself looking at in terms of uh, uh, a health exercise scientist mm-hmm. i have to look at it in terms of what would be a normal population response and so everything that we look at in terms of normal population response goes into the normal curve and where would 95 percent of the population be within the normal curve and so when we talk about normal responses as relates to any of the dietary stuff. Right. What we're talking about is we're talking about where within 95% of the population are you? Aspect. Mm -hmm. I know I was, I was thinking about that because I know people in my personal multiple reasons, but you know, a huge one is they try a diet for a little bit. It works at first, it stops. And then they stop because they're like, Oh yeah, it doesn't work anymore. It's so when we, when we look at the calorie issue, one of the things we have to look at here is that we have to change our evaluation of calorie when we start talking about diets mm-hmm. and dietary calorie because we're not going to use the big number we're going to use the small number and okay. so what we use is we'll use what's referred to as a kcal that's 1000 mm-hmm. of the of the chemistry class calories as a right. single unit within the dietary calorie and so that's the equivalent of how much heat is necessary to raise one kilogram of water one degree okay and so so once again you got to think back to anatomically speaking how much fluid do we have in our body and it's about 60 between 55 and 60 percent of body mass depending upon gender and fat mass is going to be water and so if i'm going to elevate my body temperature by one degree Then I'm going to have so many, so many calories of heat being produced. Right. The way in which we get that heat is through chemical reactions known as combustion reactions. 
Right. And so combustion reactions is where we take a uh, molecule, react it with oxygen, mm -hmm. and have carbon dioxide and water come out as the end product of the chemical reactions. Right. In our body, those molecules are going to be the carbohydrates, metabolites of fatty acids, and metabolites of amino acids. Okay. And so what we'll do is we'll take the carbohydrates, we'll take the lipids, the parts of the fatty acids, and parts of amino acids, and turn them into what's referred as hydrocarbons. Those are okay. just chains of carbons and hydrogens stuck together. There may right. be some oxygens in there as well. And we react that with oxygen within the cells of our body. In those reactions, we're going to get the energy molecule ATP, adenosine yes. triphosphate, back. So that mm -hmm. the cells can do what the cells need to do. But the, the cells are going to produce as the waste, as the end product of that chemical reaction, carbon dioxide and water. Oh. When we do that, we get some, because it goes into the laws of thermodynamics, we get incomplete transfer of energy within the molecule. And so this goes into why you can't have like perpetual motion. Right. Because every time we have some sort of reaction, there's energy that's being lost. Yes. And for our body, the energy lost is lost in the form of heat. Right, exactly. And, and so when I'm exercising, my body's going to start to heat up. My body's going to start to heat up because I'm starting to increase the rate of metabolism, the rate at which metabolic processes are, are taking place, which is going to produce more carbon dioxide and more, more water, but it's also going to have heat as the byproduct because every time we have a chemical reaction, a small bit of heat gets shed from the reaction because energy gets shed. Energy gets lost into, into, the, into the tissues. So is that what people mean when they say we're burning a calorie is we're that's, exuding heat? That's what people, that's what people are referencing when they say we're burning calories is that okay. we're, we're exuding heat. And so the better way to talk about this question, we'll get to the, this issue here in, in a few more minutes in terms of more detail is that we're expending calories okay. because we're, we're utilizing the energy within the molecules to give ourselves the energy molecule the cells can use. And as a, and as a byproduct, we're producing this heat. And right. so we're not actually using the calories, mm -hmm. but what we're doing is we're producing those calories. We're producing, we're producing heat. Oh, okay. So it's, it's actually producing a calorie in terms of measuring the heat that we're exuding. Exactly. And it oh, will, that's weird. Yep. That's and an so, odd way to think about it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of, it's it's we're basically we're, we're kind of flipping the the whole kind of viewpoint on it. On yes, it. So we're, we're kind of. I guess the best way to think about it is we're we're doing like a, a mirror flip. Yes, in, in terms of it, in terms of how we're looking at it. Now that same kind of energy thing, if we go to the gym and we use any of the the gym equipment, mm -hmm. and it tells us that we're that we're using so much energy, we're producing so many calories, we're expending so many calories of energy. The gym equipment is not specifically measuring that. What it's doing is it's is it's typically either using how much wattage is being used by the machine, mm -hmm. or it's gonna utilize what's referred to as a metabolic equivalent, a MET, 
M-E-T, it's an abbreviation. Okay. And so the metabolic equivalent is, is how much change in metabolic rate is occurring due to the exercise. That and makes so, more sense. So us sitting here just having, having a conversation right now, we're at a one. Right. Because we're not very metabolically active. No. If we start walking around while we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. we're going to be above one. We're right. not going to be super above one, but we'll be above one. If instead of just walking around having this conversation, we're going to do this while we're running on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. That's going to take us up above that, a little bit above one. So it, once again, depends upon how fast the tread is moving and what angle the tread is at. Right. But that's going to change the metabolic equivalent of the exercise. And so when we're looking at what's ha- taking place in the the gym setup mm-hmm. of energy utilization, it's going to be based off of not what is happening inside of our body, but what's happening with the machine. Gotcha. Now, if we use any of the tracking devices. Yes. So without identifying any specific one thing over and over another, any of the tracking devices, what it does is by you setting your parameters mm-hmm. into that device, what it's doing is it's, it's establishing what is your resting or your basal metabolic rate. And then based okay. off of how heart rate's changing, it's going to estimate what is the metabolic equivalent change. And then based off the metabolic equivalent change, it's going to say, okay, you are expending so much energy producing so many calories of heat. Do you think that those are at all accurate or useful? Should we even bother with them or? They're the, I'm trying to remember the exact reference right now off the top of my head. And I have to go back into the the journals here to, to get specific. Um, mm-hmm. The last time I read about reliability and validity of the trackers, mm-hmm. is they're at about 80 to 85% accurate. Oh. And so if you're doing it for yourself, that's mm-hmm. fine because you're you're getting the same 80 to 85% every time. Right. But if you're going to do it for comparison to to somebody else, it's not that that great in terms of the ability to measure how much energy is being being used if I want to compare what I'm doing to say what you're doing. Right. Because the 80 85% reliability has a 15% measure error. And oh, so, that's a big margin too. And so, that's, so we have we have a pretty big margin of, of error and uh, the 80, 85% we're looking at in terms of correlation between the direct measurement of caloric expenditure versus the indirect measurement of caloric expenditure. The mm-hmm. other thing that comes into play when we look at that issue of caloric expenditure, which kind of goes into this next question of like, what does the the calorie issue mean about my metabolism? Mm-hmm. is that a lot of the models that we have for energy use is based off of the relationship between uh, oxygen utilization and heart rate. And then based, okay. off the, based off the relationship between oxygen utilization and heart rate, we're able to have an estimated use of energy based off of how much fuel is being used. And so remember I talked about how we had the carbohydrates, the lipid metabolites, and the yes. metabolites? Right. All of those are fuel sources for, for okay. the body. And the body's yeah. going to use those fuel sources to make ATP. 
And based off of which fuel source is being used, we can estimate how much energy is being freed and thereby estimate how much energy is being used, whether okay. I'm just sitting watching television or if I'm up running or lifting weights like I was earlier today. So if someone says, because I've heard this very commonly, that a certain amount of body fat, so the actual adipose tissue itself is full of a certain amount of calories per, you know, however much square inch or whatever mm. metric that they use. I have no idea. I've heard tons of people say that a certain amount of fat equals a certain amount of calories. Is that at all accurate? Because the way you're describing it, that sounds like they completely do not go together at all. Chemistry, yes. Chemistry, yes. Okay. Chemistry, yes. Physiology, no. Okay. And that's and that's where what happens in chemistry, what happens in physiology, even though they're related, they're not the same. The same directly, directly the same. If we look at it in terms of and uh, the unit that's usually used is going to be the imperial unit. So imperial okay. units are inches, pounds, feet. Yes. Versus the metric unit grams, kilograms, right. meters, centimeters. Using the imperial unit for every pound of lipid, mm -hmm. there is approximately 3,500 kcal, 3,500 dietary calories. That's a lot. That, that, that if you look, if you think about that, that is a lot. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that if we actually look at it in terms of metabolism and metabolic rates, mm -hmm. that 3,500 is actually somewhere in the neighborhood of about 37 to 3,800. Oh. And part of it has to do with what happens to metabolism based off of what you do dietarily and what happens to metabolism based on what you do in terms of physical activity. Okay. And so that's where, that's, that's where it's, it's as you, you get these responses all the time, yes, but no. Right. When the, when the answer comes, yes, correct, but not kind always not correct. Really. Yeah. And part, of, and part of that has to do with, with the, the metabolic process and what the what calories do and what energy does in, and what energy means in terms of metabolism mm -hmm. and in terms of what we usually reference as metabolic rate. And this is where right. we have to do some, some defining here. So right. metabolism is nothing more than a term that simply is how much chemistry is taking place in my body. Okay. And so, so that makes more sense. yeah. And so the easy definition that I like to use for, for metabolism is simply the sum of chemical reactions necessary to maintain homeostasis. Okay. The rate that those reactions take place is going to be dependent upon a whole bunch of other factors. Right. And so this goes into people saying, oh, I have a fast metabolism or I have a slow metabolism. We'll take, we'll get yeah. more detail into that here in a second. But the rate of metabolism can change. Okay. And we'll get into what that means in terms of fast and slow here in a second. So what are the things that are going to determine what rate my chemical reactions are going to take place? The chemical reactions are going to take place based off of five key factors here. Okay. And the five key factors that are going to, to determine the rate of energy use within my metabolism are going to be gender, age, body composition, activity level, and I like to term, and what a lot of people will term, health status. Okay. And so 
in these, there are things that we can change and there's things that we cannot change. Right. And the reason why we have to put caveats on change and can't change is based off of <clears throat> what things are set in my anatomy and in my physiology that no matter what I do will always be that. There. And so in when we talk about this in terms of age, age is a chronological thing. We can't yeah. say, it's not like, oh, 40 is the new 20 in terms of yeah. what people say. If you're 40, your physiology is 40. Now, exactly. You may you may have some differences in terms of health status mm -hmm. based off of how active you are, but your age is still forty. Exactly. Even though you may metabolically function as someone in their twenties, mm. and that's because as we age, we have different cellular responses that are taking place, which means that I'm going to respond differently to all of the the stresses surrounding exactly. my homeostasis. Gender is the sociological term gender, even though we're going to reference the sex terms here, the biological yes. sex terms, male, right. female, mm -hmm. as, as opposed to the gender terms, man, woman. So, okay. And so, and it's going to get into a problem that we have with these metabolic rates equations here in a second. Okay, cool. Body composition, activity level, and health status are all modifiable factors. Mm -hmm. That means that we can change them. Right. And as we change them, we change the hormones in our body. And by changing the hormones in our body, we change how the genes are being regulated, which goes back to yes. this 40 is the new 20 kind of statement. And right. that's where by being physically active and by maintaining normal body fat, mm -hmm. I'm able to have the correct hormonal uh, sit situations within the body where my health status is normal, which means that I'm going to have good genetic regulation, which means that I'm going to have normal tissue growth, normal tissue maintenance, as opposed to someone that is 40, a couch potato. Right. Not doing anything but consuming sitting food and sitting home all, all day watching television. And so right. those people have different physiological responses. And based on those different physiological responses, they'll have different metabolic rates. So how hard would it be so I know people who do live relatively, they kind of have more of a sedentary lifestyle. I know people kind of in that, that range. Would you say that it's going to be more difficult for those people to change their homeostatic kind of baseline for losing weight than it would be for like someone like me who goes out and walks five miles a day? Is that going to be harder at first? No, at first no? it would be easier. Yeah. Really? Yes. And it goes, it, it goes into a, an, it goes into a, a secondary discussion on issues as it relates to the the myths and misconceptions that's out there. Because my homeostasis, if I'm a couch potato, is to be a couch potato, mm -hmm. my responses to no longer being a couch potato will have a a greater response to not being a couch potato than someone who is physically active already. Wow that then goes and does the same physical activity over and over and over again. Wow. Okay. And, and that's simply because we're, we establish our response to whatever physical activity that I'm doing mm -hmm. as my homeostasis. And so it goes into, uh, and you can get this on, on the sub stack right now in terms of mm -hmm. resistance training and periodization. And I'll put another one up there, uh, hopefully later on this, this week, 
not sure if when people listen to the podcast or not, but it, it'll be up there in the, in the Substack in terms of, of how do we go about in a, uh, periodizing my overall workout in order to make sure that I'm constantly getting the changes that I want to get. Right. There's a window and the window is eight to 12 weeks. Okay. So when I first start making changes, I'm going to mm-hmm. first start making changes to my activity. I'm going to see a very rapid change in my response. I'm not going to see yes. big, huge body composition changes, but I will start right. seeing changes physiologically. I'll start being healthier, put quotes around that. Right. I'll start, start being healthier, but I won't see changes in my body mass. And this is where people, it's like, oh, the diet is not working for me. So I'm going to give up. And that's where we get the yes. yo-yoers. And for those of you who are yo-yoers, I recommend going and reading my uh, research article on the periodization of exercise that's out there. I'll toss a link up in, in the description that where we took 12 individuals who were all uh, familial related, same, same family, just first cousins that were all yo-yoers. They okay. do something for a little bit and then they would stop. They do something for a little bit and stop. Yeah. And then what we did is we, is we set up a periodized exercise program, a program where we had the eight, 12 weeks focused on specific goals. Okay. And we fought and we, we, by we, I mean myself and the personal trainers are working with them, track their progress over two years. Oh, so okay. Continuous two years. This is the, this, these are people who would not do anything, who would stop doing stuff after a couple of months because changes stopped. And the reason exactly. why change, reason why changes stopped is because I'm going to see a, a very quick change physiologically within the first week or so. Right. And then over the next about month to a month and a half, I'm going to start seeing body compositional changes. Right. But if I don't cause other changes to take place, if I don't change my training, if I don't do a different type of training, or if I don't have a different goal in training, I'm going to stop seeing changes because I've now established a new level of homeostasis. Okay. So, so you need to keep upping the difficulty level. You, you, well, you don't necessarily have to, have to keep upping the difficulty, but you have to do is to change the difficulty. Okay. And so one of the things that we do when we do periodization is we'll say, okay, we're going to train for eight weeks. We're going to train for eight weeks for being able to run a 5k. Okay. And then we run the 5k and then we're going to take two weeks off and put quotes around off because it's not that we're off from training. It's just that we're off from training towards a, towards a specific goal. We're okay. just going to do just general physical activity or general exercise. We're going to go to the gym. We're going to do whatever we want to do for, for a couple of weeks without having a specific training goal in mind. Okay. At the end of those two weeks, we're then going to come back. We're then going to train for a specific goal. And so we do is we, is that we've, we've ramped up the training intensities and the training durations and the training bonds, all of the parameters that fit into the exercise modality right? for a specific goal. We then, it, whether we met the goal or not, doesn't matter. We're then going to ramp down. We're going to change what we're doing for a brief period of time to allow for recover, to allow for the body to resettle. To say, okay, this was what homeostasis was. This is now where my homeostasis is. Okay, now I'm going to come back down a little bit mm-hmm. so that when I start to train again, I can then go ahead and ramp back up, increase easier, increase where I'm at. And so what we're able to do is we're then able to, to stair step our responses so we see a continuous change within our body, both physiologically as well as, as, well as morphologically. And right. So, so when we talk about, oh, I have these family members and we all have these family members that, yeah. that oh, I'm going to try the latest phrase within the diet. Yeah, 
There's a lot of them, sadly. And there's a lot of them. And after a, after a month, they see great, great results, but then they stop seeing results. And so they basically ditched. And the reason why they, the reason why they stop seeing results is because their body has, has reestablished what is their homeostasis. And so when we look at that idea as it relates to the metabolic rate issues, and this goes into, okay, how do we take those modifiable factors and stick them into my metabolic rate? Mm -hmm. This is where we have our non-modifiable factors, our weight, our height, our age. Right. And then our modifiable factors, which in the equation here that we tend to use, which is the, the Benedict equation, mm -hmm. where we have this, this factor known as the ACF, the activity conversion factor. And what the okay. activity conversion factor is doing is it's saying, okay, how much more energy do you need beyond the hundred percent that you normally need just to have your heartbeat and your neurons work and your kidneys function and your liver. Yeah. Function, and all the basic, all the basic stuff. functions. Yeah. How much more energy do you need in a day? Right. And so all of those, how much more energy do you need in a day is comes back to what is happening in terms of my body composition, what has happened in terms of my physical activity, what's happening in terms of my health status. Right. And this is where for the longest period of time, we used to think, uh, think of fat tissue as not metabolically active, not providing any additional metabolism into what's going on. Right. But we've realized that that's not the case. And so, right. and so there's, there's multiple equations that, that we look at as it relates to the metabolic rate. And so one of the things that, that comes, comes out when we start looking at the issues of metabolic rate and weight is this old, and I like to use this as old thought process. And the old thought process is, is that in order to maintain balance in terms of weight, I have to maintain calorie balance. And that is- exactly. How many calories I intake has to be equal to the amount of calories that I use in a day. Yes. But that always leads to a rhetorical question that I, that I ask every physiology Ooh. student that I come across, anybody who talk, who I talk to about this whole issue, how much does a calorie weigh? So hopefully you got a little bit out of this conversation that we had. And so thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more topics about or more discussions about the topics here as we continue our discussions on metabolism as well as other issues related to health, physiology, and hopefully we'll be able to dispel a few more myths and misconceptions that are out there that we have as relates to how the human body functions.